0: I'm Richard Carey and welcome to the Years of Hurt podcast. This is a special episode all about the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023 in Australia and New Zealand. Remember, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, or should I say X as it's called now, at YOHFootball. So, we're going to talk about quite an emotionally draining World Cup final a little bit later on. But first I wanted to, t- this is going to be kind of a one-shot, so I'm pretty much going to take what's on the top of my head and talk about it from the Women's World Cup. This was quite a unique tournament. It reminded me to an extent of Korea-Japan, the 2002 Men's World Cup, because all the matches were kind of at very early in the morning, so... Most matches were on I think they had one at about two in the morning, they had one of the I think one of the quarter finals was played about two in the morning, British summer time should I say, obviously not in Australia or New Zealand time. The thing was as well a lot of the, a lot of the timing seemed to change a lot, so like I'd get up about half seven. To have my breakfast and stuff in the morning before I go to work and sometimes the ma- match was on the second half and almost finished sometimes it was almost half time and sometimes it wasn't a match at all so it got a bit confusing all the time I think it's because Australia is on three different time zones and New Zealand's on two time zones so we had quite a few staggered kick-offs and that made it diff- more difficult to follow than I would have liked and I think this is also another thing about getting older, because when you're younger, it seems to be easier maybe to watch matches when you're at school. I always remember watching the England games, most famous one being England-Brazil um, at my secondary school, and wasn't able to do the same thing for England's semi-final against Australia. So sort of had to sneak off to the toilet, check the score every now and again. You know, that was a little bit disappointing not to see as much of the tournament as I could. But what was quite good was BBC Three's highlights package. About seven o'clock in the evening, they used to have they had like, almost every day of the tournament had a succinct highlights package of the day's action. So that was a good way to keep on top of the action. And this is something we're going to see in probably in future women's and men's World Cups, with obviously the USA into twenty twenty six stuff like that. Is you're going to have times that aren't necessarily social when the matches are going to be on. But, however, you know when you've got in the latter stages, there were a lot of like eleven pm, eleven am kick-offs, should I say? So that was perhaps a little bit better than the really early ones before that. Another thing that was striking about the tournament was New Zealand's involvement. It felt like New Zealand maybe shouldn't even been host because football's not very big in New Zealand. The a lot of their stadiums were like half empty, I think for some of their matches. The Men's World Cup had a similar issue when it was in Qatar, so we can't say that's a unique thing to the Women's World Cup. And unfortunately, the women's uh, New Zealand team also got knocked out in the group stage, which was a little bit disappointing for them. And I think they're the first host nation to go out at that stage. But it seemed like much more like it was Australia's tournament than it was New Zealand's. So I wonder, if, in retrospect, whether it, would, whether it would have been better to hold the whole thing in Australia. Speaking of Australia, the Matildas were one of the highlights of this tournament as the home, big home nation. Sam Kerr being their big player, unfortunately got injured just before the tournament, so didn't actually play until the knockout stages and didn't start until the semi-final. Uh, although that was a big blow for them, you know, considering how far they got in the tournament, it wasn't. It didn't end up too bad in the end, did it? In my sort of bull chart in my head, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be an Australia-Japan final because those are the two teams that are really on form but unfortunately they couldn't carry that as the tournament went through before going into the tournament i thought australia would be a bit of a dark horse for this one because obviously they beat england in a warm-up game obviously it was a friendly so you know you can't how much can read into that and obviously england had a lot of changes in that game but it did suggest to me that they might be worth something and i think they proved themselves although i think it's worth talking about their penalty shootout against France because that was one of two very dramatic penalty shootouts I remember watching live from this World Cup and that had 20 penalties in total and there was a point where France actually had a re I can't remember who it was but they missed a penalty but it was re because Arnold had gone off a line and they took it again and it was saved again so it's just like if that moment had been different and had the player maybe made a different selection of shot for the second penalty, then, you know, it could have been very different for France. And what was quite funny is Arnold actually took the goalkeeper, Arnold, for Australia, took the fifth penalty in that shootout and hit the post. She went for the absolute ringer in in that game and still came out the victor. The hosts were actually put in the group of death as well. With Nigeria, who they lost to Nigeria in the group stage, and that was a little bit like, oh, are they even going to qualify for the knockout stages? But they put a really impressive performance against Olympic champions Canada. And I think Canada did disappoint, really, because I think a lot of people expected a lot more out of them. Zendo has a teasing ball, and two players are onto it, and this is a massive chance. It's the first goal that Spain have conceded, and it comes from Hinata Miyazawa on the breakaway. A beautiful ball from Junendo, and a lovely finish, a composed finish from Hinata Miyazawa. Another team that were highlights of this tournament had to be Japan. And it seems to be the, like, a little bit like the men's team, where it tends to be that Japan do really well in group stages, and then when it comes to the knockouts, for whatever reason, they get stuck. And this is what kind of happened here. Uh, You know, they actually beat eventual winners of the World Cup 4-0 in the group stage, which seems nuts. I think they had 27% of that possession in that game, yet scored four goals. And they really looked mighty, I mean, even after the last 16. And then they played Sweden and they didn't really turn up for most of the game until they were like two 0 down from what i could see in the highlights they weren't really in the game and then suddenly they had you know i think they had a penalty which i think they missed i think and as a sort of a rush at the end to try and get back in the game it was just too little too late for them and i was quite disappointed that japan didn't get further in the tournament because it really felt like they could have gone on and won this the big favorites going in were the united states the usa but I think we found that this tournament, they're, they're at a bit of a crossroads, you know. You've got the old generation, your Megan Rapinos, who are on their way out. And you've got this new generation coming in, but they're not quite there yet. And that was really telling at this tournament. They they really struggled. And then we had that dramatic game against Sweden, very much the the side you didn't want to face <laughs> in the tournament, unless you're Spain. Beat them on penalties after a fantastic uh, performance by their goalkeeper Musevic who was one of I mean there's some great goalkeeping at at the World Cup and I think she was only really surpassed by England's great number one Mary Earps but Sweden definitely seemed better than they were um, back when they played Euro 2022 although they did get to the semi-finals of that they had you know they were quite convincingly beaten by England in that semi-final and they do seem to be the perennial third place team at the World Cup They came third again after beating Australia in the third place playoff. At one point, you could have backed them maybe to get to the final and maybe, you know, do something there. But unfortunate for them. I mean, I did enjoy watching their matches. Although, you know, they did really well against USA to keep them out. And the tournament could have been very, very different had the US got through in that game. Another team I probably should mention are the Netherlands, who dominated the group stages, like I said, beat Vietnam 7-0. And we're really quite unlucky in the Spain quarter-final. I felt. That was the one where Van de Graaf gave away a penalty for a handball and then scored the equaliser in stoppage time. And I think they should have had a penalty earlier in the game, which was overturned by VAR. Initially, the referee gave it, but VAR decided it wasn't enough of a push. But I'm pretty sure it was a push. So I thought they got a bit unlucky. Marta Cox will take it straight away. It was a decent one They may be out of the tournament, but they're not done yet. Marta Cox with a historic goal for Panama. One thing that's talked about with women's football is the sort of level they're at. You can't really expect women's football to be at the level of the men's game. And this is nothing personal. It's just the fact that it hasn't got the same funding. It hasn't got the same infrastructure. And it's fair to say there were quite a lot of big mistakes, particularly defensive mistakes, own goals came of that. There were, I think there's six own goals in total, but to put that in perspective, at Euro twenty twenty, there was eight own goals. So it's not an exclusive thing of the women's game, but some real defensive howlers. I mean, the pick one that stands out is actually by the world champion Spain, who there's a like a 40 yard back pass that ended up being the equalizer, I think, for Costa Rica in their last sixteen game, which was just really bad and there was this thing about kind of a quality gap with certain teams now in fairness there were a lot of good teams at this world cup you know to actually have a group of death like ireland and usa and all that we're in that is a positive sign but we did have some teams that were just way way off the pace for instance i will i picked out two but they still had their moments so we had zambia who lost their first two games both five nil However, they were against Spain and Japan and also they actually won their last game, which is quite funny, against Costa Rica 3-1. So it was a bit like, hang on a minute, I thought they were just going to get steamrolled completely. Vietnam ended with a minus 12 goal difference after losing 7-0 in a final game to Netherlands. That was, I remember that final game week. There was a lot of like 6 nils, and obviously England beat China 6-1. You had this kind of golfing class. And it was kind of showing where women's football still had some way to go. And I suppose it's a case that some countries don't have the funding that other countries have. And perhaps one of the good things about the tournament is it's more balanced in terms of the continents that involved, I think, than the men's game, because I think there seems to be more room for, like, you know... The fact that England played... I think they said England played a nation from six different continents. I mean, you probably wouldn't get that in, in the actual World Cup. I think it's good to have these teams and ha- you know, for them to have the chance of being at a World Cup. But it was a little bit showing... The difference. I think when we got to knockout stages, that was very much the business end. And Once you got to the court finals, there wasn't a bad team really in it. Despite that, there were plenty of surprises with Jamaica knocking out Brazil after holding them to a 0-0 draw. They also held France to a 0-0 draw and France beat Brazil, which knocked them out. So Marta finishing up the World Cup, not even getting out of the uh, group stage. I think it was kind of a World Cup of disappointing retirements with also Megan Rapino for the U.S. missing her penalty in the shootout and the U.S. crashing out. We also had Colombia, who were the most successful South American side in the tournament and really gave England a bit of a scare in their quarterfinal of taking the lead. They did actually beat Germany and obviously Germany got knocked out of their group because of that. And funnily enough, although Germany beat Morocco was it 6-0, Morocco came ahead of them in the actual group because they beat Colombia in the last game which is quite mad to think and also it's kind of ironic that Germany effectively got knocked out by South Korea who also knocked out the German men's team in the 2018 World Cup so a bit of history repeating perhaps and a disappointing World Cup for the Germans obviously who were finalists back in Euro 2022 Fantastic play from him From a standing start, she's still going, accelerating away. What a pass that is! It's Rousseau! (laughs) Absolutely sublime! Let's talk about England's tournament, because there was quite a bit of expectation going into this tournament, but also a little bit petered, because... England's injury list was significant. Beth Mead was out. Fran Kirby was out. Leah Williamson, the captain, was also out. You know, you had the retirements of Ellen White, who had been a starter in in Euro 2022. I think like half the team that started, the, that really started all those games, were not actually available one year on. Which is quite something. And it was fair to say in those early stages, England were really struggling. The match against Haiti, they only just got over the line with a respotted penalty. And that was a little bit of a wall, but it was a win. And that's what matters, you know, when you're playing these group stage games. It's a bit like trying to win the Premier League. It's about getting that win rather than how you get the win. Then they faced Denmark and Lauren James's cracking goal was a difference in that one. Again, 1-0, but again, another win. And we did start seeing the quality of James coming through. Really, it was the third game where England turned on the style. They changed the formation, so they had three at the back with Bright, Carter, and Greenwood. We had five in the middle, Daly and Bronze on the wings. Stanway, James played in that one. I think Katie Zellen played that one because Kira Walsh actually got an injury early in the tournament, but luckily it wasn't too bad, and she came back later. And that really led them to that 6-1 victory in... Against China, their only real dominant win of the tournament, which we did see them dominate really in Euro 2022. In a way, there only saw sparks of here. That match was particularly impressive. I remember watching that on my lunch break at work, second half, and that was quite that was quite a fun watch. Really, it was nice to see England getting those goals. Then we had the very tricky game in the um, second round and round of sixteen against Nigeria, who were one of the teams of this tournament and got very near to beating England if we're being quite honest about it. The big moment in the game what felt like the killer blow in some ways was when uh, James stamped on a Nigerian player and got sent off and you kind of felt at this point it's a lot like when Beckham got sent off when Rooney got sent off at the World Cup and this was going to be it this was, you know Nigeria were going to win but England held on to penalties and won the penalty shootout. I mean England women actually have a pretty good penalty record they also won the finalissima against brazil on penalties as well so that was that shows you you know they're pretty good at penalties and chloe kelly's absolute rocket of a penalty has to be applauded so yeah a difficult match and then james obviously gets suspended for two games because of the stamp more than just the normal one so that means she wouldn't have played unless england got to the final quarterfinals and We start to see a bit of improvement, but also some worries with Colombia taking the lead in that game with a a goal that probably reminded people of Ronaldinho's goal against David Seaman back at the 2002 World Cup. But what was really positive about this is that England got the equaliser on the break, and they got a bit lucky because it was some very sloppy defence by Colombia, a bit of a miscommunication between defender and the goalkeeper, and Lauren Hemp was there to pick up the pieces and score. And Hemp Hemp Hempo was one of the players of the tournament. She really shined and never gave up on the ball and kind of exploited the defensive weaknesses of particular sides. And then it was Russo's strike just gone the hour that gave England that all-important lead and they held on to win 2-1 against Colombia. So at this point, you know, we've got some positives coming through like with the strike partnership of Hemp and Russo really coming together. And that's something that really pushed on in that semi-final against Australia. Probably England's best performance at this tournament you know a a raucous crowd Australia got really into this you know they had so much support back home and obviously there was an awful lot of support for Australia in the stadium and outside the stadium so this was a real away game for England and they took advantage Ella Toon scoring a pretty much of a rocket of a goal just before the break I have to say though Sam Kerr's equaliser although People might not like to see it. I mean, absolutely brilliant goal. In my opinion, the goal of the tournament, just a great run and a fantastic shot from long range that was just not stoppable. What was really impressive was how England responded to this, almost straight away getting that goal back. uh, Lauren Hemp, again, terrorising the defence, scoring that goal, and then Lesley Russo, just caps it off at the end and you're just thinking that's the icing on the top of the cherry of the cake I don't know what the phrase is but you know fantastic stuff. A 3-1 win, lots of confidence, it really felt like England were building their way through the tournament getting better as they go along just the way you should play it and then we got the final Aballera, <laughs> that's a smart pass Caldente, Carmona, brilliant run, numbers 40 it was bad! It's a Spanish special from the captain. La Roja hit the high notes on the stage that matters. And now we have to talk a bit about Spain, who had a kind of interesting backstory, a lot of infighting within their camp, some of the players who were deselected from last year's Euros came back into the squad, and we had a lot of young players as well. I think they'd won the under 20s uh, Euro Championships. And the Spain team is really built on the kind of play, I guess it's a little bit stereotypically Spanish, you know, tick attacker, keep the ball, and don't let your opponents have the ball at all. And their possession stats were out of this world in pretty much every game they played. Despite this inner turmoil, Spain just went about their business. And they only had that, obviously, one blotch of the 4-0 loss to Japan. They did get a bit lucky, I'd say, against the Netherlands, like I said before, and Sweden in the semi-finals. But when it it came to this final, you know, I think England were going in very slight favourites because, you know, they'd beaten Spain the year before in the Euros in the quarterfinal, although it was a different Spain team back then. But Spain really took the game to England, you know, dominating the possession. England's formation of 3-5-2, although it worked the rest of the tournament, just didn't work in the final, sadly, because they were just overloaded um, when it came to the forward play. And, you know, there's two wing forwards for um, for Spain, just absolutely dominating and obviously the goal came after Lucy Bronze went on a bit of a run uh, into the sort of centre circle and gave the ball away and then that left a massive gap down the right wing and you know Spain took advantage and that was the difference and there was that shot by Hemp that hit the bar in the first half Serena Wiegmann at half time was quite wise i guess to change the for- you to know, change the system which made sense but at the same time didn't quite make sense because the way she did it was more defensive and obviously you need to attack to get the goal. I mean taking off alessi Russo at half time felt like a mistake. I don't really like to criticize her as a sort of manager, but and you know she's done a fantastic job. I mean a record speaks for itself. But that it just felt like a bit of a misstep. England had a few chances uh, in the second half. Kelly did quite well down the right-hand side. Uh, but they just couldn't get the ball that's the problem and and Spain just dominated and then Spain started playing some what, rather questionable tactics taking the momentum out of the game and with lots of going down and staying down for quite a while I think the Greenwood injury as well took the momentum out of the game England kind of had a bit of momentum after Spain awarded a penalty after the ball hit Keir Walsh's fingertips I think and Marriott saved it comfortably, and that felt like it could be a bit of a turning point, but sadly, just couldn't capitalise enough, and they were showing a bit of urgency straight away, and then, you know, I think the momentum just went out, and then that was kind of it, really, sadly. It's a real shame that England got so far, but didn't get over the last hurdle after such an amazing year before with the Euros, and it did feel like it was their time of the World Cup, and it Just didn't quite happen. I wonder if the occasion got to them a bit. Maybe they're thinking about it too much, which for whatever reason probably didn't happen as much at the Euros. And obviously they were on home turf there as well, so had lots of support. They did have plenty of support in Australia, but I suppose it's not quite the same as being at Wembley Stadium. So it's absolutely gutting for the Lionesses. But one thing I've really learned from this tournament is actually... Weirdly enough, we got my mum and dad into football and my parents never watched football. <laughs> so that was quite an achievement for the Lionesses in my opinion. Um, you know, they've done made spectacular leaps and bounds for women's football. Mary Earps is just an absolute idol, I think. I mean, who wouldn't want to be Mary Earps as a goalkeeper? I can't believe they didn't sell her frippin' shirt. I mean, get that sorted. The team can only hold their heads up high, they played very well. The odds are stacked against them when it came to injuries and stuff like that. You know what England would have done with a full-strength squad. You know, I think you know there wouldn't be any chance of them not winning this. But sadly, that's how it goes sometimes. And I think you can't really go to any World Cup or any sort of international football tournament without injuries being a problem. So I'm sure they will rebuild. I mean, there is, you know, a bright future. I think some of the players sadly won't be there for it because obviously they're more senior. There are a lot of good players going through. Give a shout out to Jess Carter actually who had a really good tournament. I think the back three, all of them really did. Uh, Greenwood, who obviously came in for Williamson. I was really impressed by them. I think maybe the weaker side was probably the midfield because they weren't getting a lot of the ball, especially in certain games like the, uh, the final. So yeah, I mean it's disappointing. I, I can tell I've a bit disappointed in my voice, but um, they're just a fantastic side, and they've just done things that you just thought wouldn't be possible. And women's football will continue to grow, and hopefully the investment will continue, and things will get better. And there's a lot less corruption in the women's game than there is in the men's game. Although we're still, it's still a FIFA tournament. What would it be about corruption? And there are things that need to get sorted out, equality-wise. I mean, why can't you sell a goalkeeper shirt? don't get that Nike TV rights were decided at the 11th hour is a bit worrying I think also you got that fever as well I don't like to be a glory hunter but I think when when you when we got to the final a lot more people were getting more interested in the World Cup because you know England were doing so well and it, I mean it does happen it does sweep you up World Cup fever even whether it's meant the men's game or the women's game it absolutely does there are things to look forward to for the England team. I mean they'll technically be team GB when it comes around to Paris in about 12 months time at the Olympics. It'd be interesting to see if like Serena Wiegmann would take that on. Hopefully she doesn't move on as a, as a as a coach because there are obviously offers out there. The US wanted to get her and stuff like that. So hopefully she stays on and England get another bite at winning a major tournament. You know, they've got the Euros in two years time they've got another world cup in four years time and there's plenty of upside however having said that we can see now that lots of different nations and the u.s have been a victim of this lots of different nations are getting better and the quality is only going to get better and when we get to the next world cup we might not see these big score lines because there'll be such a more even playing field Let us know what you thought of the Lionesses situation and the World Cup in general. I thought it was quite a fun World Cup. and um, Well, I could see a bit. My my only qualm of it is that I couldn't watch a lot of it because I was working, basically. Uh, It was quite fun to watch the highlights, though. Let us know what you thought of it at Football on Twitter slash X or whatever the hell you want to call it these days. So from me Richard Carey, hopefully we'll have some more England success. I mean it is kinda it really does feel like a year of hurt this year. From the YH studios, it's goodbye.